chapter 4. <clears throat> I do thank you, Reverend Kimball, sincerely for the very kind words of welcome and the opportunity to be with you today and to minister at the adult Bible class in both of the Lord's Day services. We're very happy to renew fellowship uh, with uh, our brother. It's the first time we've spent a little time with uh, Mrs. Kimbrough, and we've really enjoyed the times that we've spent together. We're thankful to them uh, for their kindness. Uh, they have received us very generously and warmly, and we appreciate that. We want them uh, to know that we have been blessed for the times that we've spent together. Uh, we're just sorry that the time has gone in uh, so quickly. Uh, we would like them to come over and visit us in Northern Ireland, uh, so we pray that that will take place uh, in the will of the Lord in the not too distant uh, future. It's very nice to be with you folk here again uh, in Winston-Salem. Uh, you make us feel very much at home. We thank you for the, the warm welcome that you gave to us. We appreciate very much your fellowship. It's been refreshing and encouraging for us uh, to be with you uh, right throughout the day. Uh, to renew fellowship with some of you that we've met uh, previously when we were here last summer. We're glad of the opportunity just to present the work in Uganda. Uh, we thank your minister for that opportunity and also to minister the word of God. Uh, we pray it will be a blessing uh, to your heart, both of these uh, meetings, both of these messages uh, from the word of God. Uh, we're going to read together from Second Kings and it's chapter 4. We're going to begin at verse 11. And we're going to read down to the end of verse 26. Let's hear the word of the Lord. We pray the Lord will speak to us tonight even through uh, the reading of his precious word. So 2 Kings 4 verse 11. And it fell on the day that he came thither and turned in uh, to the chamber and lay there and he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among mine own people. And he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Verily she hath no child, and her husband is old. And he said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. And he said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my lord, Thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son at the season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. And when the child was grown, it fell on the day that he went out to his father to the reapers. And he said unto his father, My head, my head. And he said to a lad, Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. And she called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses, that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, It shall be well. Then she salved an ass and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. So she went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass, when the man of God saw her afar off, 
that he said to Gehazi his servant, Behold, yonder is that Shunammite. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her, and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. We're going to close just there tonight at the end of that 26th verse. And we pray the Lord will add his blessing uh, to this, the public reading of his word. Let's just take a moment to seek the Lord together. We encourage you to pray as well. Lift your heart to the Lord uh, for the message that will go forth. Pray the Lord will bless it. Pray that the anointing of the Holy Spirit might rest upon the preaching of the word of God in the service this evening. So let's seek his face together. Heavenly Father, we're thankful to be in the company of thy people. We rejoice that on the evening of thy day uh, that we're found in thy house. We remember on that resurrection day, that first day of the week, that the Lord Jesus came and stood in the midst of his disciples and he said, Peace be unto you. And Lord, that would be our desire for this service tonight, for the remainder of this meeting. We pray that the Lord Jesus will come himself. We pray that he'll stand amongst us in all his risen power. We pray that his presence might be felt. We ask that each one gathered here tonight will know the Lord is in this place. We pray, Father, for such a visitation that all from the youngest to the oldest will know of a truth that the Lord is amongst us tonight. We pray for the power of God. Save us, Father, from preaching in the enticing words of man's wisdom. We pray that we'll speak tonight in the power and in the demonstration of the Spirit of the living God. Remember that you've said that you'll give the Holy Spirit to them that ask thee. And Lord, we're asking simply that you'll, you'll grant us the power of God upon this meeting. Upon the preaching, we pray for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We pray the Spirit might come and speak to hearts, uh, those in the gathering, those listening to the service. We pray that the Spirit of God might strive upon the hearts of men and women. We pray that some even in this gathering might be born again, born anew uh, of thy Spirit. We rejoice in the time that we've had as we've sung the songs of Zion, as we have has sung the praises of our Saviour. We thank you, Father, for the blessing uh, that this time has been how refreshing to our hearts and to our souls. And Lord, we want to pray that others uh, will know that we have been with Jesus. We pray that that new song that you've put in our mouth, that we will ever sing that new song. And we pray, Father, that you would use even the messages in song tonight, the hymns that we have sung, uh, to teach us the things of God to touch our hearts. You've said that we're to speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns and in spiritual songs. So Father, hear our cries. We commit ourselves, the remainder of the meeting, into your hands now, praying that you'll abide with us. And we want to pray, Father, that we'll be <coughs> conscious just of the help of God. Here, these are prayers. We offer them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That final verse that we read in verse 26, we want to take it just as our, as our starting place tonight. The message this evening will be just a little different. We're not just going to dwell on one text, uh, but on a number of texts in various places uh, in the scriptures. We're going to bring a few of them together uh, to bring a challenge to you uh, just in the gospel uh, this evening. We want to begin with this, this verse 26. Uh, Run now, I pray thee, to meet her, and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is uh, well. You'll notice uh, in the verse there's a series of questions. Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And in the service tonight, I want us 
uh, to think together of some questions. Let me emphasize to you from the beginning, the questions that we're going to think about, uh, that we're going to consider tonight, uh, they're not my questions. They're not questions that have been asked by men or asked by religions. The questions that we're going to consider tonight are God's questions. They're biblical questions, every one of them found within the pages of God's Word. The questions that I want you to think of with me this evening are questions that God would ask of you. You know that it's true that often people ask all sorts of questions about the Bible. If you begin to witness to someone, to speak to them of the things of God, they will pose all sorts of questions. Generally, they pose those questions because of their unbelief, because they don't want to face up to the challenge of the gospel. They will ask you questions such as, where did Cain get his wife? How did Noah get all the, the animals into the ark? And so forth. People have all sorts of questions that they ask about the Bible and about God and about our lovely Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. But the difference tonight, uh, men and women, is this. I want you to think of questions that God asks of you. God's questions for every person in this meeting from the youngest right up to the oldest. These questions we can describe as searching questions or pointed questions. Those are the sort of questions that should make you stop and think and consider your spiritual condition and especially cause you to stop and think and consider the things of God in the light of eternity. So I want us to consider some searching questions in the, the evening service. I want to bring several of those questions together and I pray the Lord will use them to speak, to challenge some hearts, some souls in this meeting. You think of children in school, uh, the teacher will ask questions, it's a, it's a form uh, of education, it's a form of teaching. The teacher will pose questions right throughout the class, right throughout the day. The teacher doesn't ask the questions generally because they don't know the answer. Remember, that the teacher has trained, well-educated. They should know all of the answers on the subject that they're teaching. Generally, the teacher asks the question because they want to find out if the student, if the pupil, knows the answer uh, to the question. And it's the same with God, men and women. He asks these questions not because he doesn't know the answer. Remember I mentioned to you this morning the word omnipotent, no limits to God's power. Well think of the word, uh, a comparable word to that, omniscient, no limits uh, to God's knowledge. His knowledge is infinite. So God doesn't ask the question of you tonight because he doesn't know the answer. He asks this question or these questions because he wants you to think of these things. He wants to find out if you know the answer to the questions uh, that he is asking. So some searching questions uh, from the word of God. And the first one is found here, 2 Kings 4, uh, verse 26. The question is, is it well with thee? Not men and women, we could describe it as a question of <coughs> condition. And I want you to take a moment in this evening service and I want you to think of your condition tonight and ask yourself, is it well? Is it well with thee? Now remember, we're not asking, is it well with you financially? We're not asking in this gospel meeting, is it well with you physically, as far as your health is concerned? We're not asking, is it well with you in your business, your employment, or as far as your career is concerned? And remember that all of those things are important. They all have their place. The question that's before us here in this text is concerned with the spiritual, not with the temporal. It's asking you tonight, is it well with you spiritually? Remember in the story, the passage that we've read, that the child had died. 
this little child of a Shunammite woman that she had born in her old age. And Elisha sent Gehazi to ask the question, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? Now remember when the question was asked, the child was dead. And the mother answered without hesitation. And she answered confidently, It is well. And remember men and women, there's only one way that you can say it's well in the face of death. And that is if it's well with your soul in the light of God's great eternity. So it's clear. The question here is concerned with the spiritual, your spiritual condition. It's not interested, it's not asking about you as far as your temporal <coughs> circumstances are concerned. So I want to ask every one of you in the service tonight, is it well with thee? Is it well with you spiritually? Can you say tonight, confidently with assurance, it's well with you before God, well with you in the light of eternity? In the words of that hymn that you sang so well just before the message, are you able to say, use those words as your own testimony, it is well, it is well uh, with my soul. Can I remind you tonight, it can't be well with you if you're separated from God because of your sin. It can't be well with you if you're far away from God. It can't be well with you tonight if you're not saved. If you're still on the broad road, that broad road that leads to destruction, leads to hell, that will take you to a lost eternity. If that is your condition, I have to tell you this evening, it's not well with your soul. And don't fool yourself into thinking uh, that it is. Just take a moment to consider what is your condition? What is your spiritual condition as you sit in the, in the gospel service tonight? Is your, is your condition one of fear? Fear of death? Fear of eternity? The fear of what is beyond the grave? Can I say to you men and women, young people this evening, if you're not saved, if you're not right with God, you do well to be afraid of death and eternity. You remember what Paul said in the book of Hebrews, he spoke of those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Sometimes you, you meet people and it's evident they're in bondage, the way they live, the way they behave. They're in bondage all because of a fear of dying and a fear of death. Maybe that's your condition tonight. Maybe your condition in the meeting this evening is one of conviction. Conviction of sin. Remember that conviction is the work of the Spirit. The Saviour said that He will reprove of sin. Maybe that's what's happening in your life at this time. Remember those words in the book of Genesis? My spirit shall not always strive with man. Think of the warning of those words. If the Spirit of God is striving in your heart tonight, that's something to be thankful for. That means that you can still be saved. That, that means that the Spirit of God is still at work in your heart and in your life. Remember that you can't be saved when you want. Many people think that. That they can turn to God just when they want. You can only turn to God when the Spirit of God is speaking. When the Spirit of God is striving in your heart and in your life. And then the warning of that verse in the book of Genesis is, my spirit shall not always strive. God can withdraw his spirit from a person's heart and from a person's life. And if that was to happen to you, you could never be saved. It wouldn't matter how long you live from this day until the day of your death. Could it be tonight there's no rest in your heart, no peace in your life? Maybe you can't sleep. You've been experiencing a lot of sleepless nights. You're troubled about your life. You're troubled about your sin. The Spirit is troubling you about uh, your wrongdoing. Your past is caught up with you. You can't get away from those things. As the book of Numbers says, your sin has found you out. Remember Felix, that day in Caesarea when Paul was testifying? The Bible says that Felix trembled. <coughs> 
They trembled under conviction. What a meeting that must have been. The Spirit of God moving with great power as the Apostle spoke and told of God's saving grace in his life. Whenever I was the minister in the, the Mull of Glass Church with Reverend Fitzsimons is now the minister, we held a, a gospel mission, two weeks of gospel meetings. We put up a, a wooden hall in a little village called Mount Norris. The Mull of Glass Church was very evangelistic in its outreach. Generally every year they held the gospel mission. There was a man from our congregation that was converted at that mission. The Reverend John Morrow, who has been blessed with the gift of the evangelist, was uh, the speaker at those meetings. But the man that was converted from, from our church in Mulloglass at that time, for months before that, the family had thought he'd been ill. They had thought he had been unwell. He hadn't spoken too much about his condition, but they, they thought he was uh, experiencing ill health. But what really was happening was God was at work. God was troubling him. The Spirit was moving in his life. So men and women, if, if that's your condition tonight, if you're under conviction, I want you to know it's not well with you. It's not well with your soul. You need to be saved. You need to get right with God. You need to repent and believe the gospel. Remember, that's the first gospel message the Lord Jesus ever preached during his earthly ministry. What a summing up of the message of the gospel it is. Repent and believe. Turn from your sins and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Is it well with thee? A question of condition. The second question I'd ask you to think of is the words of old Barzillai to King David at the end of his life. Do you remember he said, How long have I to live? And that, men and women, is a question of preparation. We speak of this world as the land of the living. But the reality is this, this world is the land of the dying. And we're reminded of that constantly. Life is an unceasing march to the grave. And as the Bible says, there is no discharge in that war. We, we sometimes sing the hymn, I'm sure you're familiar with it. We're going down the valley one by one with our faces towards the setting of the sun. It's a paradox, I know, but it's true nonetheless. But the moment you're born, the moment you begin to live, you also begin to die. Man is a dying creature. And in the light of that fact, men and women, there's no better question for you to ask tonight than the question, how long have I to live? How long have I still got left here upon this earth? You ever asked that question? Could it be that you have lived 20, 30, 40, 50 years and more, seen much of life, experienced much of death, but you've never made this inquiry? How long have I to live? How long till your life is over? How long until you die? How long will it be until your funeral takes place? I want to urge you men and women to think of that tonight. I want to urge you to ask yourself uh, those questions as you sit in this evening gospel service. Let me tell you the answer to the question. How long have I to live? The answer is you don't know. At best, it's not long. Do you remember old Isaac? He said, I know not the day of my death. And that's the great dilemma that every one of us face. We don't know how long or how short a period of time we still have left here upon this earth. That's why it's a question of preparation. The warning, men and women, is you need to be ready. You need to be ready for death and you need to be ready for eternity whenever that summons will come uh, for you. It's not a challenge that's brought to us in many places in the scripture. The Saviour said, be ye also ready. We talk about being ready for anything, ready for everything. Can I ask you tonight, are you ready for eternity? If the summons, if the call should come for you, think of the words of Amos the prophet, 
prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. There is a God, men and women. Of that there is no doubt. We live in a very atheistic age. But there's not a doubt there is a God. One day you will meet him. Maybe that day may be sooner than you think. And the most important thing for you in this life is to be sure, to be 100% sure that you're ready to meet the Lord. You think of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the king Hezekiah, set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Need to have our affairs right. So when we think of setting our house in order, we think of making our will, all of those sort of preparations, giving the family some detail, some instruction with regard to our funeral services. But what of your spiritual affairs? Set thine house in order. Think of the certainty of death. And in the light of that, you need to be sure that you're ready, that everything in your life, in your heart, as far as your soul is concerned, the preparation has been made. Let me say to you tonight, men and women, don't trifle with these things. Don't trifle with your soul. I want to urge upon you, I want to underline for you, there is nothing in this world, it doesn't matter what it is, it doesn't matter how important it might seem to you, there is nothing in this world, nothing in this life, that is more important than being ready for death and being prepared for eternity, as far as your soul is concerned. There was a very famous Cornish tin miner in the, the 18th century. His name was Billy Bray. Billy Bray was quite a character. The best biography of Billy Bray is called The King's Son. He was unique in many ways. One morning he was, he was standing at the head of the mine with all his colleagues, all the men that he worked with. They were getting ready to go down the mine for the day's work. You think of how dangerous that work must have been more than 200 years ago. And he was standing there that morning looking round, looking at all his friends, his neighbours, some members of his family. And as he looked around and thought of all these men, young people, it struck him just how many of them were not right with God. How many of them were not saved. He knew if there was going to be an accident that day, maybe an explosion, the mine would cave in. That many of those men would be plunged out into a lost eternity. And as he stood there that morning, he lifted his heart to God and he prayed this prayer. It's a prayer that takes a lot of grace to pray. He said, Lord, if anybody has to die today, let it be me, because I'm ready. I'm ready to go. She said in the meeting tonight, men and women, could you pray that prayer? Could you make that statement? I'm ready. Whatever happens, whatever happens to me tonight, whatever circumstances befall me in this week to come, I'm ready. I'm ready to meet God. I'm ready for eternity. I'm sure of heaven when my life uh, is over. Listen to me carefully tonight. You don't have to be old to die. And you don't have to be sick to die. But one thing is absolutely certain, and that is you need to be ready to die. And you need to be ready today. It's not the warning of the word of God. We know not what shall be on the morrow. We're not to boast of tomorrow. Often we do that. We boast of where we're going to be, the people we're going to be with, the things we're going to do. You need to be ready today. The reason is this, today's the only day you're sure of. There's no guarantee that you will live to see tomorrow dawn. Tomorrow for you could be eternity, just hidden from your view. Remember what Paul said, Second Timothy? It was the final epistle that he penned under inspiration. Coming near the end of that letter, he said, I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Can I ask you all tonight, can you say that? <clears throat> you said in the meeting this evening, right now, 
at this moment, I'm ready. I am now ready, whatever happens. If a summons from heaven for my soul to go out into eternity were to come at this moment, I am now ready, ready to meet the Lord. So that's a question, men and women, of preparation. The third one I'll ask you to consider is the words of the Lord Jesus when he said, Whither goest thou? That's a question of destination. Remember the Lord Jesus was approaching the cross. The shadow of Calvary was hanging over him. He was gathered together with his disciples and the words of that question, he, he posed them to the disciples as a word of rebuke. None of you asketh me whither goest thou. His life was almost over. His ministry was almost at an end. The great sacrifice of the cross lay before him. And he said, none of you is asking me, where are you going? Whither goest thou? Let me say, men and women, when you come to die, that is the most important question. Where are you going in eternity? Sometimes parents, grandparents, when a younger member of the family is leaving the house to go out for the day, go out for the evening, in, in concern for your safety and well-being, they'll say, where are you going today? Where are you going tonight? Well, if it's important to ask that when someone's leaving the home for a few hours or maybe a few days, how much more important is it to ask the question when you come to leave this world forever and to go out into eternity? So where are you going, men and women? Whither goest thou? I put it to you all tonight. What will your destination be in eternity? There's a gravestone in a cemetery just outside the city of London. And the epitaph that's engraved upon it is this. Stop and think. I'm in eternity. And you're on the brink. And that's what I want you to do tonight. Just stop for a moment. We hurry along in this pleasure mad throng. The devil can take our thoughts and minds so easily away from the things of God. So stop and think for a moment tonight and ask, consider those that have gone before us there in eternity. We're standing tonight on the very brink, the very edge of eternity. As we think of the question, whether goest thou, remember, there's only two alternatives. It's either heaven with Christ or it's hell without him. Which will it be for you? When we lived in Wales, our children went to the, Pem the Pembrey Primary School. There was a lady there, one of the teachers of the, the older class. She had been brought up in the Brethren, brought up in the Gospel, taught the Bible, taught the Word of God, the Gospel message from her very childhood. When we knew her, she was a lady probably in her 50s, still not saved, still not right with God. But because of her background, she wanted to teach the children Bible stories. She wanted to teach them. It's not a strange thing. wasn't right with God herself, but wanted to teach the children a little of the truths of the Scripture. But what happened actually surprised her. Even though they were young children, they were thinking deeply about the things that she was presenting to them. And they started to ask questions. And one day they asked a question that shocked her. She, she spoke to me about it. She told me the story, asked me what she should say. Here's the question the children asked. Miss, if you don't go to heaven when you die, where do you go? Not a good question. Sometimes we underestimate children how much they take in, how much they understand. So if you don't go to heaven when you die, where do you go? Men speak and teach of places such as purgatory. Soul sleep, annihilation. Remember, God speaks of no such places. God's word speaks of no such conditions. There's only two alternatives, men and women. Heaven or hell. So which will it be? Which will it be for you? Remember, if you're unsaved tonight, and just think of how fearful that is. I had a great uncle that lived to be over 100 years of age. 
he, he knew the Lord. I remember as a teenager working with him one day and there was a, another man that was involved in that bit of work and my great uncle took the opportunity to witness to him. It was a challenge to me as a young Christian. It was a, an example. Uh, I learned much just from being with him that day. And he asked the man very directly the question, are you saved? And the man said, I'm not. He was very honest in the reply that he gave. And I always remembered the answer that my great uncle gave to him. He said, do you not think you're living very dangerously? And if you're unsaved tonight, that is true, men and women, young people. You're living very, very dangerously. So if you're unsaved tonight, let me stress, you're on your way to hell now. Just think of that. Just take that in. If you died now, where would you be? Where would you go? You know, there's an English sailor, and in the days of the sailing ships, his vessel sailed into New York City, and he went into one of the little mission churches in the city at that time, going along the street, and he heard the singing, and it drew him in. He heard the message. They gave him a little card as he left, and it said on the card, if I die tonight, I would go to... And you were to fill in the answer and sign your name. So he took the card back to the ship and he put it up just beside his bunk. Whenever the vessel set sail again, uh, he fell from the rigging and he broke his leg. And he was confined to his bed for quite a number of weeks. And every day that he was lying there in bed, this card was just staring him in the face. If I die today, I would go too. And he had to fill in the answer. So the Lord spoke to him through that question and one day filled in the answer, I would go to hell. He was honest. But he came to Christ and then he scored out, I would go to hell and wrote in, I would go to heaven. And the next time he was back in New York City, he went back to the uh, mission church and told them of the work that God had done in his life. So just think of that. If I died tonight, if you don't live to see tomorrow dawn, where would you go? Where would your soul be? Remember, if you're out of Christ and you die in that condition, you'll be lost for all eternity. Whither goest thou? We sometimes ask that question in a different way. In fact, there's a hymn that's written with the question, where will you spend eternity. <coughs> Just think of that very carefully tonight. In the Mullet Glass Church, when we built the church hall, the church is situated there right on the edge of the main road. The main road from Armagh down into to Newry. Hundreds of cars go up and down the road every day. The, the session and committee wanted to have some gospel witness for those cars, those people passing by. They put up a text in the fence, you must be born again. But on the gable end of the church hall facing out onto the road, they put that question just in a, a slightly different form. Eternity? Where? Wanted everybody going up and down the road just to consider that question. There's a young fella who was a tractor mechanic, a diesel mechanic. He worked for a, a firm over near Portadown. And they sent him down Tan along, that's down in the Mourne country, down near the coast. A three-day job, a tractor that had broken down, and he had to go down and repair it. So every day he went down the road and up the road, past the Mullet Glass Church, three days in a row. Saw the question. The Lord used it, how it challenged him. And one night his, his own father in his bedroom had the joy of leading his son to Christ. Eternity? Where? Dr. John Duncan, he was a, a missionary to the Jews. I mentioned to you this morning about the need for missionaries. He was one of the great men of the Church of Scotland, the Free Church of Scotland. And he went to Budapest to be a missionary among the Jewish people. Dr. Adolf Safar, Dr. Alfred Eidersheim were among the most noted converts of his ministry, converted from Judaism 
uh, to Christ. They brought him back to Scotland uh, to teach in the college in Edinburgh, uh, to teach Hebrew and Old Testament studies. He became affectionately known as Rabbi Duncan because of his connection with the Jewish people. On New Year's Day, on one occasion, he was out for a walk and he met two of his students. They were very polite. They took off their hats and they said, A Happy New Year, sir. As quick as a flash, he took off his hat in reply and he said, A Happy Eternity, gentlemen. Isn't that infinitely more important, men and women? A Happy Eternity. That can only be so. It can only be so if you're saved by God's grace and you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Whither goest thou? The final question is the words of Pontius Pilate when he said, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? That, men and women, is a question of this decision. It has been described as life's greatest question. And there's not a doubt about that. Why is this life's greatest question? Well, it's because you're not dealing tonight with a preacher. You're not been asked, what shall I do then with a preacher? You're not been asked, what shall I do with a religious leader? You're not been asked tonight, what will you do with the church or with the denomination? This men and women is... A vital, all-important question because you've been asked, what will you do with Jesus? Remember, he's the only saviour. Apart from Christ, there is no gospel. Apart from Christ, there is no salvation. Remember the words of Peter preaching in Jerusalem? Neither is there salvation in any other. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So this is life's all and life's greatest question because you've been asked what are you going to do with the Lord Jesus? It's asking what will you do with the Saviour tonight? What will you do with the only one who can save your soul? The only one who can forgive your sins? Notice that the question's personal. What shall I do then with Jesus? Remember that Pilate sent the Lord Jesus to Herod. You know the reason why Pilate did that? He wanted Herod to make the decision with regard to the future of the Lord Jesus, what was going to happen to him. But remember, Herod sent the Lord Jesus back to Pilate. And that teaches us an important lesson. No one else can decide for you tonight. You cannot pass, you cannot delegate the responsibility of making this decision and answering this question. It's a personal one. A personal decision that you have to make in the gospel meeting. What will you do before you go from the meeting tonight? Well, either you'll, re you'll accept Christ or you'll reject him. Either you'll confess him as your Lord and Savior or you'll deny him. Either you'll receive him by faith into your heart to be your saviour and wash away your sins or you'll refuse Christ and his invitation and his offer of mercy and his offer of salvation. So let me ask you, which will it be? Which will it be for you? Remember you can't be neutral. Pilate tried that. Remember the most famous act that he's remembered for? He washed his hands before the crowd. He wanted to wash his hands of Christ of the whole matter. He wanted to try and give the impression that he was being neutral. And you might try the same. You might say tonight, I'm not for him, but I'm not against him. You want to try to be neutral. But you can't. You can't wash your hands tonight of this question and of this decision. The Bible teaches if you're not with Christ, then you are against him. And remember, what you do with Christ in this world, in this life, that will determine what he will do with you on that great day of judgment, that great day when you will stand before him.
So I want to ask you, before we close tonight, what is your decision? Before the meeting ends, before the gathering is dismissed tonight, what is your decision? What will you do with Jesus, who is called Christ? Here then are some searching questions, men and women. Is it well with thee? Is it well with you spiritually? How long have I to live? How long will it be till my life is over? Till my death takes place? Whither goest thou? See how one builds upon another. When you die, where are you going to go? And eternally. And what shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? Let me tell you this just as I finish, before we bring the message just to a close. John Harper uh, was the Baptist pastor that went down with the Titanic. You maybe know that story. If you don't, I encourage you to, to look it up, read it carefully. John Harper was a man that had been used of God in evangelism and winning souls to Christ. He had been over here in the United States. He pastored a little church there just outside Paisley in the west coast of Scotland. But he went over here at the Moody Memorial. The Lord had used him. They wanted to have him back again. That was the reason he was on uh, the Titanic uh, sailing across the Atlantic Ocean. Harper went down that night, lost his life, placed his little daughter, I think it was his cousin that was travelling with them. They were in the lifeboat. And he dived out into the cold, icy waters of the Atlantic. But even with his dying breath, he wanted to win souls to Christ. Everyone that he met in the water that night, he asked them the question, is your soul saved? If they answered, no, it's not, he replied immediately, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. There was a man that he met twice in the waters that night in the providence of God. Asked him the question the first time. Is your soul saved? No, it's not. He quoted the verse. And then a few moments later, a few minutes later, the waters caused their path to cross again. And he said to the man, Is your soul saved now? And he said, No, it's not. And he quoted the verse again. The Lord used that witness to bring that man to Christ. He lived. He was rescued from the waters. Harper went down, perished, drowned a few, few minutes later. That man, just a short time after, a number of weeks later in Hamilton in Canada, spoke in a church. He described himself as John Harper's last convert. He told the story of how Harper witnessed him with his dying breath. Dr. Paisley uh, possessed John Harper's Bible in the last message that Mr. Paisley preached at his farewell service in the Martyrs to a packed house of over 3,000 people. He told the story of how he came into possession of John Harper's Bible. John Harper had a brother called George and George uh, got John's Bible after his death was left to him. George was very friendly with Dr. Paisley's father, so George bequeathed the Bible to Dr. Paisley's father, and he gave it to Dr. Paisley. It was left to him after the death of his father. So it's one of the very precious uh, volumes that was in Mr. Paisley's possession. So I want you to think of that story, but especially, men and women, I want you to think of the question. We've been thinking of questions tonight, searching questions. Well, that's a very pertinent one to finish with. Is your soul saved? The end of this gospel meeting. If it's not, the answer's still the same. You need to believe, put your trust completely in the Lord Jesus Christ and the finished work of the Son of God. And if you will do that tonight, you will be saved for all eternity. So how do you answer men and women? What is your response 
Be careful how you reply to these questions that we have considered from the Word of God. Because remember, the response that you give will determine your spiritual condition. The answer that you give tonight will determine whether you have God's salvation, whether you're in possession of God's salvation, and whether or not you have any hope of heaven. Searching questions. May God search your heart and soul tonight. And if you're out of Christ, may it please, the, may it please him to bring you to himself in salvation. Let's bow together just in prayers. We'll finish. <coughs> Father, we thank you for the meeting, for all gathered, those who have been listening. We thank you for the good word of God. We praise you for the Bible, this book that is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. The entrance of your word giveth light. We pray, Father, that the glorious light of the gospel might shine into some darkened heart, some darkened soul uh, this evening. Remember all that are gathered. You know the hearts of all men. You know the hearts of those that are saved and right with God. You know, Father, those in this meeting that are unsaved. Some can even be playing the part of a Christian, but a false profession, not right with the Lord. We ask, Lord, that you'll search out hearts and souls in this service tonight, even the backslider and heart. Pray, Father, that you'll speak on even after the service is over, strive, move, be gracious and merciful uh, to men and women, young people. We ask, Lord, earnestly, save souls in the families of the congregation, even those not in the meeting, upon our hearts that are not right with God. Lord, our earnest cry is that you'll move again by your Spirit across this great nation of America. Send to this land again times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord and we ask thee to do Lord here in Winston-Salem what you did in Jerusalem those many years ago when the number of the disciples was multiplied greatly in Jerusalem oh God come and do the same by your grace by your spirit even here in this city we commit ourselves into your keeping we ask thee to go with us as we leave thy house tonight guide us through this week Lord we pray that like John Harper, we will use every breath, even to be a witness for our Saviour. So we ask thee now to part us in thy fear with thy favour, and spread your covering wings around till all our wanderings cease, and until at our Father's love the boat, our souls will arrive in peace. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.